Welcome to First 100K, the show where I interview successful entrepreneurs about how they made their first $100,000, digging deep to find the tools, tactics, and superpowers that you can use to go from A to 100K. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also the owner of two co-working spaces here in Tampa, Florida, where I have the privilege of helping hundreds of entrepreneurs to start, launch, and grow their businesses and make their first $100,000, because that's where 90% of you are struggling right now. We need to push you through that. Today, our featured guest is courageous entrepreneur, Stephen Shapiro. Now, Stephen is a innovation instigator. I love that term, and we're going to find out a little more what he means by that. He's a keynote speaker. He's a business advisor. He's written five books already. Uh, what do we got? We got 24-7 Innovation. We got Goal Free Living, The Little Book of Innovation, uh, Personality Poker, and Best Practices Are Stupid. What a great name. <laughs> Steven, welcome to the show. Go ahead and fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you? That's awesome. Well, first of all, great, great to be here. Uh, I, I think you covered a lot quite well. I, I will say that I did start my life off as a consultant. Uh, first 15 years was with a, a company called Accenture, which is a big management consulting firm. And I, the reason why I got into innovation is because I was actually leading one of our practices on optimization, which resulted in people losing jobs. And I didn't like that. I couldn't sleep at night. So I decided I wanted to create a group that was about creating jobs. And I love doing that. So just to clarify, you were working on a project where to optimize um, jobs and everything like that, you literally need to fire people or clean them out. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there was one project where uh, the work that we were doing, the CEO publicly announced that 10,000 people would lose their job. I'm like, holy moly, that's... Uh, it just at some point in doing this over and over and over and promoting it, because I was actually a speaker in the company promoting this work, it just weighed heavily on my mind. Now, listen, I know you're hitting a nerve right now with a few of my listeners, right, that came out of corporate America, are building their businesses now, but they remember what it was like not to have any security where your fate, your future is in the hands of others or an innovation project or of sorts like this, an optimization project where you're one of 10,000 people that are about to lose their job tomorrow and you don't even know about it yet. And that's painful. And that's why we go out and we start businesses. And I think we're in this generation of entrepreneurship. It's thriving. It's fantastic. Before we get into this, Stephen, take a minute and uh, share something personal with us that very few people in your business life know about you. Uh, a number of people know that one of my big passions is uh, magic. So I love to do that. Uh, I torture people with my magic. I'm not a great magician, but I love watching magic as much as I possibly can. And the main reason is because I think that magic is a great way to view the world. First of all, I think we're all magicians in our own way. We all create magic. Uh, but I love the fact that magicians make the impossible possible. And in the business world, we can't even make the possible possible. So for me, that's one of my, one of my really uh, great passions, traveling, I'm married. And um, just, you know, I have to admit, since I've gotten married, travel is not quite as, as exciting as it used to be, but uh, still enjoy it. Yeah, I get that. So just to clarify, you're like a magician for like corporate America. You come in and you like do magic as far as in innovation, right? Well, I don't actually perform magic on the stage. No, uh, I didn't mean I, that I, way. Yeah. Well, actually, I do a couple of tricks occasionally, but um, you know, I mean the work I, that you do is the work magical. that I do. Well, it, what's interesting? I love that you say that because one of the things that I always close my speech with 
is since I talk about magic throughout the presentation, I do end up saying, look, at the end of the day, let's not talk about innovation. Let's talk about magic. And you're all magicians. And I try to find some very mm. personal stories about something they've done that has touched me. So I just did an event for a group of like 100 plus people who are uh, in the fire apparatus industry where they make fire engines and, and uh, pumpers and all these other equipment the work that they are doing are saving lives. So you talk about the real magicians. Those are the people who are the real magicians. And that's what I like to do is make sure that everybody gets clear on how they are a magician in their own life and the lives of others. I love it. I think you're starting out right there, dropping some value, right? It's a startup nation. Like what is the magic that you bring to the world right now with your business, with your products, with your service, with your personality, right? Like what is that magic? And, and start looking at it that way rather than, oh, I just do this product or I do this service, which could be dry or boring or whatever. It's like, how am I changing lives? How am I transforming the world, right? What is the magic behind that? Because really, at the end of the day, it's all about the why, isn't it, Stephen? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So let's get down to business. My audience loves contact, uh, context. Um, how much revenue, gross revenue, did your company do in the past 12 months approximately? Uh, I mean, it varies from year to year, but it usually about the half million mark is not too far from the number. Got it. And what are you on track to do in the next 12? What's the goal? Uh, I'm always happy, actually, if I stay about the same. I mean, I'd like to get to seven figures at some point, but, uh, you know, it is wherever it is. And I think that the, the thing that's important for everybody to recognize is that it's not always about the money. You can grow and scale. I know you've had other people on the business who have multi-million, on the show that have multi-billion, multi-million dollar businesses. And I don't aspire to that. If it means giving up the life that I have, if it means having a big company with employees that I have to worry about, uh, I want to be a solopreneur with surrounding myself with a bunch of smart freelancers and, and people of that nature and basically have the best life I can and having a good living in the process. I like that, right? So Startup Nation, like that's a good question Stephen's raising right here is, what do you want that end goal to look like? Do you want to be in charge of a mega successful company and take on all that responsibility and lose a lot of your quality of life in doing it? Or is your focus more, you know, I want to make a good living, but I want to have quality of life. I want to spend time with my family. I want to go on vacations. I want to have that freedom and that flexibility and that lifestyle. So that, I mean, that's a great question just to sit with, don't you think? I think it's an important question because you can't, you know, my book is called Best Practices Are Stupid, the last one. And the reason is you can't just take what somebody else does and slam it into your way of operating because we all have, you said context is important. Well, context is incredibly important. Uh, I need to understand me, my business, my industry, my specific audience. You know, if I were to try to apply what has worked for other people that you've had on this podcast to my business, it may fail miserably, mm. not because it's bad content, but the context is different enough that it doesn't fit. I like that. You just, just distinguish content from context. Very powerful. Why do you think, Stephen, let's get right to it. Why do you think 90% of entrepreneurs are struggling to make their first 100K? Why do you think they're stopped? I think there's a couple reasons. One is that, and I saw this a lot when I was at Accenture and I left, a lot of people who got downsized or whatever it might be, they, they realized they were an expert in something. So what they valued was their expertise uh, their knowledge in the topic, but they didn't realize that 
almost every single entrepreneur's primary goal and function is sales and marketing. Uh, and I've got to say, I don't always love that. Uh, I'd love to just get up on stage and do my thing. You know, I, I love that. But the reality of the business world is it's a marketing business first. You could have the best product that nobody's heard of and you'll have a crappy business. So it's really about how do you have the best product with the best marketing and sales. And I think that's where a lot of people just struggle. So Steven, speak directly to my listener right now that is saying, I came from corporate America. I'm more of a processes and systems type of person. I, I literally hate selling. I hate marketing. I suck at both. Even when I try, I, I just, I don't, I have no performance there. Like speak to them. What would you, what advice would you give to them? They're starting a business and obviously they need sales and marketing. Well, I think, you know, either you can find a way of acquiring those skills, either you personally get trained and get excited about it, or you can find somebody who can do it for you. If you can't do either of those, then you need to start questioning, are you ready to be an entrepreneur? I, I, it is 90% of my day is spent marketing and selling. And I think that's the case with most entrepreneurs. Uh, now, look, I've got people who help me sell and help me market and help me with all those things. But at the end of the day, I know my content. I know my message. I have to be the one crafting everything. And when it comes to sales calls, I have to be the one closing the deal because it's about me. It's about my content. And so you just got to get used to it one way or another. And it's hard to get somebody else to do it for you. Yeah. So Startup Nation, what Steven is telling you right now is you got one of three choices. Choice one, learn sales and marketing and get good at it and stop making excuses. Choice two, Find someone else who is naturally good at it and partner with them somehow and bring them in. Choice three, quit. Because <laughs> literally, you need sales and marketing to be successful in business. So if you're not willing to do choice one or choice two, you have no business being in business and just end it now and go work for somebody else. Steven, did I paraphrase that well? I think that was perfect <laughs> in the way you described it. <laughs> It was just, it was right to it, right? Steven, uh, at the end of the day, right? I talk about this a lot. We all have this uh, superpower. The, the one thing that we're just amazing at, um, that we're known for, and it just comes natural to us. We make it look easy and everything else we should be outsourcing. What is your superpower? I would say in my world, there are a couple of things. I will say when it comes to the speech is one of my superpowers is the ability to uh, create full body experiences. So unlike a lot of speakers who get up and talk, I actually create an experience for thousands of people. doesn't matter the number of people. And I've, I've done this for you know, 20 years now. So I, I'm really good at that. Uh, the other thing which I think I'm good at before is coming you go up, there. Yeah. Before you go there, give me an example of uh, like an experience you created. Like tell us a quick story. Well, so one of my products is called Personality Poker. It's also a book that you mentioned. Uh, it is a deck of cards. It is 52 cards that have words on them that describe particular behavioral attributes. And what we'll do is, let's say we've got a thousand people in the room. Every person before they show up will get five cards, random cards, and they go through a process of trading. So I say, okay, time to get five cards that best describe how you see yourself. Everybody stands up, they trade with other people. Then what we do is we take decks of cards, literally a hundred decks of cards, throw them on the floor of a ballroom. People are on their hands and knees fighting each other to get the best cards. And then we do so much in terms of, okay, all the people with 
uh, mainly black cards stand on one side of the room. People with mainly red cards stand on the other side of the room. So we reconfigured the room. People are physically moving mm. in a 45 to 60 minute keynote. They're moving a good portion of that time. It's, it, people love that because it's, first of all, about themselves, but it's also this full body experience that people just never forget. Yeah, I think that's great because it's kinesthetic learning, right? Which I'm very partial to, right? Just that movement, that motion, everything like that. I suspect that most of the guys in that room, they identify themselves with the king card. <laughs> and then the women are like, I'm the queen. But I could be totally wrong now. <laughs> so, Steve, uh, describe to us your biggest fail, uh, mistake, or setback your first year in business. I think the first year in business, wow, how, oh, which one? Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you, it, it, I'll be honest, it was not easy in the beginning. I left Accenture with a book from a major publisher. I'd been speaking for a long time and I thought, okay, hello world, you're ready for me. And for the first several years, I just, I, I, I confused the fact that being a great speaker would lead to a great speaking business. And we sort of talked about that. Being a great speaker does not give you a great speaking business. Being a great anything does not give you a great business. It's your ability to, you know, let the world know that you are great at that. Uh, so I think that was probably my biggest single fail. But I also think that uh, not recognizing the value of partnerships, uh, you know, it, entrepreneurs sometimes were like, okay, I'm going to tough it out. We're going to do it alone. But at the end of the day, sometimes the best thing to do, I got this advice uh, not too long ago, which I wish I had a long time ago, which was uh, before you can multiply, you must first learn to divide. Before you can multiply, you must first learn to divide. Basically, what that means is before you can grow your business, you need to learn to divide your business. Find people who are vested in the success of your business and create partnership deals with them in a way that will be of mutually beneficial uh, value to them. So it's a, I think that's one of the big things which I've learned over time is it's not about me. It's about my network of people and not just my network of clients, but it's a network of people who become my ambassadors. Mm, that is powerful. So before you can learn to multiply and grow your business, you must learn to divide your business and, and parse it out, right? Parcel it out. That's powerful. I like it. So like so many of my listeners, they came from cor corporate America, right? and they're going out on their own and they're in their first year of business the same way you were Steven a few years back and they're thinking man I was good at x or y um, but starting a business is totally different because it's building a business is completely different than the skill set that maybe you're already good at how did you transition? How, you speak about innovation all the time. How did you innovate yourself when that big mistake happened where you went in with eyes wide open, like everybody's going to love what I do and what I'm great at. And then you went, oh, snap, I actually have to build a business around this um, and it's work. Like, how did you innovate yourself in that and turn it around and now build the successful company that's doing half a million a year? I would say the first thing was to uh, not so much innovate the business, but to innovate myself. I think that I needed to get over my own limiting beliefs and uh, my own expectations of how it should have worked. Uh, I mean, there was a period of time after I left Accenture where I just, I, I could not even get off the sofa. I was so like confused because I don't work well in a situation without clarity. I don't mind ambiguity, like when there's at least 
some wiggle room. I don't want to have like everything dictated to me. On the other hand, when you have absolutely no clue what you're doing, when you have no clue how to position yourself, when you have no clue how to market yourself, for me, I found that overwhelming. So in the beginning, I really just, I could, I, I almost felt incapacitated. And so a lot of it was, how do I get past that? Uh, and sometimes the best thing for me to do is to just start doing things, to get out there, meet people, talk to people, people who are in a similar situation and recognizing that I'm not alone uh, in this and that there's a lot of other people who have the same struggles I do. And that to me was, you know, that, that emotional support was more important than the technical support of how to actually make the money. I think that's powerful. At Startup Nation, listen to what Steven's saying here. When you feel incapacitated, which I know you do right now, in your, your home office, you're working out of your house, you don't have the clarity, you're just confused, like, what do I do next? Listen to Steven's advice there. Movement, right? Take action. Just get out. Go outside, go to a networking event, go to a conference, go to something. Change your stimuli. When you change your stimuli in your environment, it changes your brain, your mindset, everything. It opens up new opportunities, new possibilities. Steven, I think that's spot on. Fantastic. And let me just add one yeah. other quick thing to that is it, uh, the other thing which happens, especially as you get out there and start networking with people. And I don't like the networking part because to me, that's about getting something, but getting out and meeting people, going to events, talking to people purely to connect with people, you're going to be hanging out with people who are more successful than you are. And you can do one of two things in that situation. One is you can compare yourself to them and which then puts you down, or you can look at those other people and be inspired by them. And if you're inspired by them and you want to become more like them, not so much in terms of what they do, but just their, their, their aura, their success, whatever, that's awesome. Uh, but this whole comparative game, and I'm, I know you talked about this before, it's just, just a, it's a, it's a losing game, but it's just good to remind ourselves that it is a natural human instinct to do that. I think it's, I think again, fantastic job, well-articulated uh, startup nation. It's don't compare yourself to the success of others. Instead, be humble. If you're struggling, ask people, say, listen, I, I really admire what you've done with your business, with your life. I really want to be, you know, at the same place as you a year or two from now. Like, how do I do it? Like, here's where I'm stuck. And just put yourself out there. Even if you just met the person for the first time, I've done it so many times where I just share Steven and I, I just say, Hey, this is where I'm struggling. This is where I'm stopped. Can you help? And it's amazing how many people will just go, wow, thanks for being real about that here. Here's what I would do next. And they would give me this advice that it was like free consulting, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't have to pay $500 an hour for that advice yet. That's what they charge. And, and they did it because I was just real and I, I was vulnerable. What do you want to add to that? Well, I, I think the, the other thing is uh, you don't have to reach out to people in order to get advice or in order to get anything. I mean, I will, for example, if I read a book I like, I write the author. No expectations that they'll even write me back. Mm. Uh, but I just write them and say, hey, by the way, I just loved your book and here's a particular passage that really resonated with me and had an impact. Only because as an author, you know, I don't know what impact my work has. And when somebody writes me and tells me, it just makes me feel great. So I like to do that for other people, but there have been situations where I've written people and say, oh, that's great. Hey, by the way, I happen to, you know, I'm, I know your work. I mean, somebody who I just got connected with, we're in a similar space. Our paths have never crossed and we just got connected 
And no expectations, but now all of a sudden, like, well, how do we partner? How do we work together? How do, instead of being competitors, how do we become collaborators? Mm-hmm. And you just don't know where any of these things go and never assume that it's the person who makes the most money that's going to be the most helpful. It could be the person sitting next to you who's, you know, eating lunch out of a paper bag because they can't afford their meal, but they happen to know someone that's going to change your life. Love it. I love the way you said that. Stephen, what was your number one fear that really messed with your head your first year in business? It is a fear that I had before I started my business, and it's something I still have, uh, which many people know as the imposter syndrome. Uh, Basically, uh, I remember when I was at Accenture, I was, as a consultant, you're being thrown into the deep end. (coughs) Excuse me. And I remember this one time I was... uh, being brought into a company to talk about something which I didn't even really know. I'd never done it. I'd done a little bit. And so I just, and I didn't even research it because this was before the internet. So I'm just sort of pulling together. What do I think is the right answer? And I get up there in group of about, I think it was presenting to 50 people who've been working on a project for a couple of years. They've been struggling with something. And I presented to them my thoughts on ways to address those problems. Again, making them up. Everybody loved it. People implemented it. It changed the course of the business. Uh, But in my head, I was thinking, well, I'm just making this stuff up. I mean, it's not real. Now, over time, I can rationalize it saying, look, I've had a lot of different experiences and I'm able to pull those experiences together in unique ways. Uh, So I don't have to be an expert in a particular topic, but I've got a lot of expertise, broad range, and I pull them together. But still, it, it haunts me that Somebody's going to figure out I don't know what I'm talking about. Startup Nation, Stephen just got so real with us, and I really appreciate that. Now, I know you're listening right now, and you have that imposter syndrome, and you think, man, someday uh, people are going to find out I'm a fraud. You know, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm talking about, like Stephen said. Here's the thing, though. It's like you probably do. You probably know more than you think just from your life and your experiences. Like what Steven just shared, he's like, he pulled stuff out of his whatever, <laughs> you know, and it implemented it and people implemented it and it worked. It got them results. So it's because we have this creative genius, but we're stopped so many times by our own limiting belief about ourselves, about what we think about ourselves. And the world sometimes sees us different. The world sometimes sees the genius within us. So shouldn't we? Stephen, what would you say is the best advice you've ever received in business? Ignore all advice. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you just threw out my question. That was awesome. Uh, uh, it, it, it comes back to uh, you know, this whole concept that if you're trying to replicate what somebody else is doing and you don't understand the context, you don't understand... Uh, I'm writing an actually an article for Inc. It's the first article that I'm writing for them. I'll have a regular uh, column with them. Congratulations. Inc.com, I should clarify. Yeah, congratulations. Uh, but it really is on, you know, why following in the footsteps of others uh, will potentially lead to your failure because one of them is context that we talked about, but the other one is the, the concept of the undersampling of failure. And basically what the undersampling of failure means is when you get somebody up on the stage who is successful, they're going to talk about what they did that made them successful. And we read books about people who are successful and we go to, you know, watch videos about people who are successful and we listen to podcasts about people who are successful. 
The problem is we don't actually ever take the time to listen to people who failed. Now, you asked a great question, which was, what are some of your biggest failures? The undersampling failure basically means if somebody had tried something, you need to also make sure that hundreds of other people tried the same thing and were successful. Because if they weren't, then that's basically survivor bias, which is uh, we, we focus on those who survived, but all the failures, we never study them. And so we have to just be skeptical anytime we get advice. It doesn't mean it's bad advice. We just make, need to make sure it's good advice for us at this time. You know, I think you're, that'd be like a cool podcast, wouldn't it? It'd be like, just interview people who failed, mm-hmm. right? And they haven't got back up yet. Like they, they just failed. Like they just crashed and burned. And it's like, what are you sitting with right now? Yeah. Like what's going through your head? Like, what are you taking away? Where do you think you should have went left, but you went right? You know, th- those types of things. I think that could be really powerful. Share with us one of your daily habits that has gotten you to where you are today. I wish I had more habits. Uh, I'm trying to get better at that. That's actually one of the things which I started to commit to this week is I created a little sheet of all the habits I want to have in place because I'm unfortunately a naturally undisciplined person, whether it comes to getting to the Mm. gym, whether it gets to doing certain activities for work. Uh, I think the things which help me the most though that I do on a regular basis is I go into the hot tub and meditate. Uh, I just find that quieting of the mind is really good. And when I don't do that, I find I get a little antsy. Uh, and I go to Disney as often as I can. I live in Orlando and I have an annual pass to Disney and Universal and SeaWorld and all those great places. And uh, I find, but I don't go to Disney to ride the rides. I'll, of course, do that. You can't go there or not. But I bring my iPad and I will sit somewhere outside and watch people be inspired by Disney, be inspired what they've created. And I'll use that as sort of a creative energy. Instead of going to a Starbucks, I go to Disney and that's where I do my work. I think that's brilliant because you're in the innovation industry, right? That's what you do for clients. And where better to go and sit than one of the greatest creative spaces in the world, right? Disney. Um, I think that's brilliant. It's like you're going to just sit there and, again, change your stimuli, your environment, and you're going to see all the innovations. It's like, ha, huh, interesting. Like I'm sitting and I'm watching, you know, over by the lake. I see this little mechanism that they put in to create this experience for the kids or whatever. It's like, why did they do that? You know, what's the benefit of doing that? And then, boom, light bulb goes off. Oh, my gosh, the client I'm working with right now, what if we did X? And it just sparks these ideas, right? So Startup Nation, change your environment. Uh, if, if you're in that lull um, where you're just losing your creativity, you don't know what's that next product or service or how to really uh, put that twist on it, that spin that really makes you stand out in your marketplace, take Steven's advice. Go sit at Disney or what's your version of Disney around you in your, your town or your city. And uh, you know, just go sit there and see what other people have done and, and get that spark of innovation going. Stephen, what's your favorite website, app, or uh, digital resource that you use um, now or even, you know, your first year in business that's really helped you? Wow, that's a good question. There's so many. Uh, Since I travel a lot, uh, the two travel apps that I use the most are Kayak and TripIt only because they, Kayak gets me the best deals and TripIt is the best way, TripIt Pro keeps me, you know, basically just great way of organizing all of my travel, notifying me of flight delays. If a seat wasn't available, it will keep on monitoring. 
Uh, so if I wanted a window seat and it wasn't available, we'll keep on monitoring and send me a ping. And I've actually saved money because it will also monitor the airfare and say, hey, by the way, the change fee in this ticket was $250, but the price dropped $500. If you call them up, you'll save $250. So I've basically paid for TripIt many times over uh, just through that. So that's, um, I would say, probably from a travel perspective, the ones I use the most. From an innovation perspective, the thing which has changed my life as a presenter, as a mm. presenter, uh, and many people use Keynote. Most people don't know some ways you can use Keynote that are incredibly creative. So what I do is I have all my slides done on my Mac, my MacBook Pro. And when I present, the MacBook Pro is what's connected to the projector. Mm -hmm. But then I have my iPad, which is wirelessly connected to the Mac. And the iPad, I can then use it as a remote control. So when I'm looking at the iPad, I can see the current slide. I can see the next slide. I can actually see a thumbnail of every slide in the deck and go to any slide at any point. So if the person before me is running on 15 minutes late, and I need to cut slides. I don't have to click past slides like most people do. I just skip them and the audience never even sees that I skip them. And for me, I do a lot of drawing. I can draw on my iPad and it goes right in the projector. So then I, every time I present, half the people who come up to me afterwards want to talk about my innovation content. The other half want to talk about the technology I use. See, to me, that's magic. It's it is. like you're doing magic up there, right? People don't even see. It's the sleight of hand right on your iPad, the sleight of hand. That's cool. What is the one thing that you want the world to know about being successful in business? It takes work, typically, but it takes leverage more than anything else. So I did an experiment about four years ago to see if I could work an hour a day and still have a successful business. And interestingly, at that time, my business grew. Uh, now, I, I, don't, I couldn't, it wasn't a scientific study, so I couldn't look at it. Was this momentum from previous years? But what happened was, and you, you, you said something earlier, which is really important, which is you need to figure out what you do best what only you can do, and that creates the most value for your market, and then everything else, you have to get somebody else to do it or not do it at all. And for that, for about three years, that's what I did is an hour a day, the most important activity, and then once the hour is done, I'd be finished. Now, some days I work five hours, which meant then I couldn't work the rest of the week. So, that was basically the model, and I got really great at prioritizing. Uh, what does matter a lot? And I got great at finding partnerships to help me grow the business. And that's, uh, you know, whether you want to work an hour a day or five hours a day or 10 hours a day, it doesn't really matter. It's not the number. It's the mindset of prioritization uh, and leverage. So, like, when I think about partners, I don't just think about somebody who can develop content for me. I also want people who can, uh, like, I have a partnership with a training company. The reason why I worked with them is I could have developed my own train the trainer materials, certified my own train. It's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. So I found a company that has some world-class trainers already. They have access to almost every single Fortune 500 company because they've been in business a long time. And so I licensed them my content. They developed the, the course. They, using my, my content, but they developed the course. They train their trainers. They sell the course. They deliver the course. And I get a slice of it. And that to me is leverage. Because the other way, I would have spent 100 hours a week trying to create my own training business as opposed to finding somebody who already has it. I've done the same thing with e-learning. I've done the same thing with many other areas where I don't spend a penny. 
but I take a smaller slice of a bigger pie. I like that. Uh, Dr. Alex Osterwalder, he, he's the author of Business Model Generation, a friend of mine, and I actually helped co-author that book, which was kind of cool. And that's huge in the industry. And yeah, and uh, he would talk about uh, this formula of value uh, times leverage equals success, right? So what is the value that you have that you, you're, you've created in the world? And then how do you leverage it, right, with a, a partner or something? How do you leverage their value into what you're doing? And how do they leverage your value? And it's that value exchange that you both leverage is what creates success. And it, that's exactly what you just described with that situation with that, that company. So I think it's fantastic. Uh, so Startup Nation, we are listening to Stephen Shapiro. You can find out more about Stephen at stephenshapiro.com. That's S-T-E-P-H-E-N-S-H-A-P-I-R-O.com. That's stephenshapiro.com. So Stephen, this is my favorite part of the show. Welcome to the Hustle Round. This is where I'm going to ask you 12 quick-fire questions. You'll have about, 12, uh, about three seconds uh, to answer each one. Don't overthink it. Just say the first thing that comes to your mind. Are you ready, sir? I'm ready. Here we go. Steven, what's your favorite sound? Uh, cash register. <laughs> <laughs> Cha-ching. Steven, what's your least favorite sound? Uh, babies crying. Got it. When you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be a mystery book author. Got it. What are you most afraid of? Uh, the world figuring out what I, the way I see myself is reality. There you go. What did you spend way too much time doing your first year in business? Uh, on the couch, debilitated. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Frozen, paralyzed, fearful. Speaking of fear, what secret fear do you have about people? Wow. Uh, secret fear is that everybody knows something that I don't know. And they're not telling me. Mm, wow, that's powerful. What do you wish you had learned sooner in your business? Uh, business can be fun. It doesn't, you know, it's, I, I, I wished I'd known that being an entrepreneur was going to be as fun as it is. Love it. Turn your business into magic, Startup Nation. What is a new habit that you want to form? Exercise. And what is a bad habit you want to break? Um. Not exercising. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Take three words to describe who you are now. Uh, happy. Um, happy and happy. I guess those are. <laughs> I got that. Okay. I just, I, I, I find that if I love life, everything comes to me. Yeah, I get it. Again, magical. It's the theme of this, this episode. Pick three words to describe who you were your first year in business. Uh, confused, debilitated, and hopeful at the same time. Hmm. I got it. And imagine sometime in the distant future, and there you are standing in front of your tombstone. Read to us what it says on it, Stephen. I would hope that it says, you know, made a lasting impact in the world. Uh, I think that's really all we can hope for. Yeah, got it. And last question, if you could come back to life, and share with your family and friends only one piece of advice. What would you say to them? Your attitude is the most important thing to shift because tactics and strategies and techniques don't matter. Got it. 
Stephen, what's the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you, sir? Uh, if you go to my website, uh, steveshapiro.com, you can uh, find me there. Uh, if you want to learn about personality poker, personalitypoker.com is the best place to go. Uh, and you'll find a whole bunch of innovative things that I've created. Uh, more is like just thought starters for people out there. So if you're stuck a little bit with what you're trying to do, you might find something interesting there to help kickstart your business. Got it. So personalitypoker.com and stephenshapiro.com. Stephen, thanks for joining us today, and I wish you peace, love, and superpowers. It's been wonderful. Thank you. Cheers. Startup Nation, head over to First100K for even more tools, tactics, and tricks that you can use to go from A to 100K. I'm Joseph Warren, and you were made for greatness. So stop being a wuss and start being a winner. Have a blessed day, and I'll catch you on the next show. Peace.